We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Cheryl Broderson, and I'm missing my little partner, Jasmine. And if you could see her in person, she really is little, um, but I'm missing her. She's just all energy, right? But I'm doing this by myself because Jasmine is en route to the East Coast right now to minister. But we had the opportunity to have one of our favorite women who's out here for a conference, and it's Lisa Collins, and she's a woman worth knowing. So we're going to feature her today. So so I get to I get the privilege of interviewing Lisa and Jasmine wanted to be here, but I'm sure she will listen eagerly to this podcast. So Lisa, currently you have been serving in Hungary, um, which is another story because Hungary was more of your launching point and you had so many adventures from Hungary and we'll get to that. But I want to know um, before the mission field, all of that, um, what was your life like growing up? And I think that's important because... Um, missionaries are created by God mm. and there's a process. Did you ever think when you're a little child that you'd ever be on the mission field? No, I didn't know what a missionary was. It started prompting my heart after I, I came to know the Lord when I was around 28, 30 years old. I thought, well, Mother Teresa, mm -hmm. there's there's somebody I think that does missions work. And mm -hmm. but otherwise I had never met a missionary that I could that I could recall. Mm -hmm. I was raised in Oscoda, Michigan, mm -hmm. a little town uh, four hours north of Detroit. Okay. And um, there is an Air Force base on that town, a really small city, no stoplights, no, oh you know, no fast food restaurants. Mm -hmm. It was just tiny little town. But the Air Force base across from my house brought in different nations of students right. that attended my high school and junior high. And um, that gave me the first inkling of seeing people from different nations. We would go and they'd pull out their lunch and you were like, what? What is this like egg like thing that's like a sandwich that your mom, there's no bread. And you're mm -hmm. thinking, huh, that doesn't look like my bologna sandwich. And I was raised in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So born and immediately you go to the Catholic Church as a tiny baby and you're dedicated to God mm -hmm. and um, continued that every Sunday to church and then um, CCD classes, mm -hmm. being raised in that after school, stopping by. But in all that, I only prayed to the Lord when I was in trouble. It's like, oh, Lord, please, I hated getting in trouble. And it's like, oh, please don't let me, don't let them catch me or don't, you know, when you're little and I, or in an airplane, mm -hmm. turbulence, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, oh, God, please help. But um, other than that, I didn't have any intimacy with God. I believe I believed in him, mm -hmm. you know, in that sense, you cry out when you're afraid. But I didn't have Jesus as my savior. Mm -hmm. At nine years old, I was in Awanas. Mm -hmm. And um, I was memorizing verses and they had me say a prayer. And I remember I cried a tear or two, like it was mm -hmm. emotional, like mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit met me. And my mom got me a King James Bible. Okay. And yeah. I have it to this day. Oh. I still, tiny little print. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it said. I didn't yes. know what it meant. Mm -hmm. So Now, Awanas, who took you out to Awanas? My mom did. Wow. She, yeah, she had started going to um, church when she was younger. So it was very important mm -hmm. church, but that's what they said like mm -hmm. church was important um not as much god or relationship with the lord so i i never bridged it even though she does have a relationship with god now your parents split up how old were you when they split up uh, my father he was um 
uh, kind of this raging alcoholic. Okay. Um, but he uh, thought it was a blast. He wasn't oh. somebody that he just was this fun, drunk, partier that the whole town, he was popular for that mm-hmm. and known for it. A comedian. Mm-hmm. He said, I never met a drug, a drink, or a woman I didn't like. Oh, my. So he was a Your poor he mom. Was, yes. Yeah. He was a playboy and um, just proud of it in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was funny and a joke. And they divorced in third grade. Wow. It just got too intense. And right. my, we got to not feeling safe. Mm-hmm. But he lived in that small town mm-hmm. right up the street. Wow. And um, they always had a good friendship. Mm-hmm. So, you know. You can't help but laugh at somebody's laughing, and mm-hmm. but you just think, okay, we're going to go separate ways. And in eighth grade, my mom remarried, mm. and um, my stepfather came into the picture. But he wasn't so fond of my brother and I, mm. so that was really challenging. He um, wanted my mom to himself, and so there yeah. wasn't um, there was no talking in the home wow. like, to me or to right. my brother. Wow. It was as if you know, trying you know, it was very challenging for him. Um, I guess the competition of mm-hmm. the other people in the house kind of thing. So um, in that, I just busied myself with school and sports and, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you do in high school. It's yes. like, all right, no problem. I'm, I'm old enough to kind of do my own thing. Now, how old were you when you left um, Michigan? In my second year of college, I was at Central Michigan the mm-hmm. first two years. And in April of that second um, semester, I thought, um, it's snowing. Mm. My windows are frozen. Mm-hmm. It's April, mm-hmm. and it's 90 in Fort Lauderdale. And my brother lived in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, there and is. so mm-hmm. I thought, you know, next semester I'm going to move mm-hmm. to Florida and get in some sunshine. Mm-hmm. So what was your life like in Florida then? It was the time where um, it was a lot of partying in mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale Beach. Mm-hmm. And my family was from that kind of, in my hometown, right. is a town that it's um, partying and if you're not working, you're in bars or drinking in my hometown, all those people moved to Florida, mm-hmm. like all the people of my brother's age. Mm-hmm. And um, it was pretty intense time. It's, you know, um, mm-hmm. the um, bars on the strip. You could drink and drive. It was totally legal. Oh so it was pretty, mm-hmm. uh, very liberal. So for me, coming from um, this small town, Michigan, it was like, whoa. My eyes were opened. There was a lot of drugs during that time. Now, is this like the late 80s then? Yeah, this would have been 86. Yeah. There was a lot of cocaine. It was super popular. Crack crack became a very, um, like, normal, like, mm. street mm. Um, drug. Like, meth and things now are more intense than I think those were then, but it was an intense um, now, season. Were you ever scared? Being in that environment? Um, I was raised in it in the Mm -hmm. sense of like pot smoking and drinking drugs, Mm -hmm. bars, guns in Michigan and all the kind of the mayhem that comes with that um, people in the, you know, as my uh, friends that live in that area, like rednecky kind of Mm -hmm. like thing that um, you're you're always on a mission to keep yourself safe no Mm -hmm. matter what age you are, being Mm -hmm. aware of the environment. So um, I ended up moving to Florida and now again being in that same um, where you're diligently trying Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're safe in vehicles and Mm -hmm. safe in the home and Mm -hmm. you know things so um, yeah it became a pattern that Mm -hmm. I kept finding myself in. So now did you live with your brother when you moved? Yeah Mm -hmm. I lived with him for a couple I think at least a year Mm -hmm. and um, that was the first time I don't know about your siblings he's four years older that a friendship began Mm. you know it's kind of like Mm -hmm. when you're in high school and you're a freshman and they're a senior they're like 
please don't be with yeah. me. Don't associate so, with yeah. me. Don't tell people you know me. Right. Totally. Yes. But then uh, we got we started building a friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, how long were you in Florida before you know you got saved or you came to know the Lord? So I got my advertising and marketing degree. Um, my life got in, in a really neat way where you look back and you think that's the Lord. Mm-hmm. A publishing company hired me. They trained me on computers and graphic design. Mm-hmm. I did that for several years, became the co-publisher, mm-hmm. learned how to um, do make, create a magazine, like mm-hmm. an actual on-the-shelf, mm-hmm. you know, in the grocery store magazine. Did a lot of traveling to... Um, New York, Chicago to the design centers with uh, Paloma Picasso, Mm -hmm. um, Picasso's granddaughter. And, you know, like really, and Osco to Michigan, you're thinking this is really neat, like Mm -hmm. meeting these different cultures. And then I worked with Alamo Mm Renicar and um, they would let me do photo shoots on highways and we would pay a fee. They would close down massive highways with, tur- oh with curves and turns. Mm-hmm. All the traffic stopping. We would do photo shoots for an hour with the convertible. And and I just really was like, this is from the Lord because I'm not that talented mm-hmm. that he gave me favor in these mm-hmm. careers. So you were aware of God's goodness, though, even before you knew God, that you could have a personal relationship with him. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I knew that um, God's hand was upon my mm-hmm. life. Even when I was younger, I felt like his protection mm. had been there in all those circumstances mm-hmm. of um, of joy and of hardship. I felt like the Lord, the mm-hmm. Lord's guided me and protected me. Mm-hmm. Then when I was 28 years old, um, things started getting challenging. I had been married. Um, we met when I was 19, mm-hmm. dated five years, and then we married. And we were 10 years into our um, relationship. Um, five years married, ten year, five years together, and he fell into deep depression, mm. and I didn't understand why. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a Christian mm-hmm. as far as walking, having wisdom from God, but I thought oh, it seems like there's like shame or something that's causing this. The, they, I never saw anyone that depressed mm-hmm. where they can't uh, function. Right, and um, the relationship was faltering. He was my best friend. I didn't mm. know what to do. And um, a friend, I saw Pastor Bob Coy from Fort Lauderdale on television. Mm-hmm. He had a television show, and he spoke about um, the Samaritan woman at the mm-hmm. well, that she was divorced four times, and the man she was with was not her husband. Right. And he just spoke about grace. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, do you, like, if you, and he gave an example, and I'll never forget it. Raised Catholic, I knew abortion was a sin. I never mm-hmm. had an abortion, but I knew um what do you do if somebody was in that situation? You right. know, I just thought, you know, would they, is it really what the Catholics say that, you know, you can't go to heaven or things right, like right, that? Right. I had been taught as a small child. And he said, why don't you go to an abortion clinic and bring a crib and a food and let her know that you'll help her raise the child mm-hmm. rather than telling her abortion kills. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is a church I want to go to. Mm. I want to go to a church that, that knows truth mm-hmm. and knows black and white because I'd been around such liberal thinking mm-hmm. since I was young, but um, doesn't bring it in such a way of so much heavy condemnation that somebody can't survive under the choices they've made right. or the circumstances they find themselves in. Wow, yeah, so love. It was the yeah. love and the grace. The love and grace of God drew me to that church. Mm-hmm. I prayed uh, the second time I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, when I walked in with my friend, he, he attended the church, he took me, 
and the people ran to him because they knew him mm -hmm. and they just had smiles from ear to ear mm -hmm. and were hugging him and welcoming me and I thought I've never seen happy people like this mm. this must be a cult yeah like I was like I never this can't be real it mm -hmm. just felt like it's it's like a, a dream but mm -hmm. a little much I had mm -hmm. never experienced Christian love so I prayed a prayer the second visit Mm -hmm. And he said, would you like a relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Would you like a blessed life? Mm -hmm. You need to welcome Jesus into your life. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, I mm -hmm. would. I wanted my life to get better. Mm -hmm. And I prayed that prayer. Didn't get discipled. Never read the Bible. Went to church some Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And... Um, my life kind of fell apart. Um, that was October 96. Mm -hmm. And on November, a friend died from AIDS. Mm -hmm. He'd been sick. It mm -hmm. was Thanksgiving. Um, Christmas, a best friend, also 30. I was 30 at the time. Um, did a drug overdose mm -hmm. accidentally and mm -hmm. died. And then my husband left me. Mm -hmm. He wanted a divorce um, from his um, past abuse that he'd experienced as a child, which mm -hmm. I was unaware. Mm -hmm. It had uh, really uh, caused this depression mm -hmm. and shame. And uh, my business partners left me in May. Mm. Um, a company bought them out from our advertising agency, left me with all the debt because it was such a great offer. They offered, I don't, mm -hmm. don't, re don't, I would have done the same mm -hmm. if I were them. And I got in a car accident. So this was all nine months. You know, my, my brother's wife died. That was the last in September. Wow. So from October to September, from saying that prayer, kind of my whole world, you know, my 10-year relationship, my, my business, my finances, my friendships. Um, I, I went to fun these three funerals, mm. Catholic, and they said, um, don't worry, they're in heaven. Mm -hmm. And that was the friend that had AIDS that died um, mm -hmm. and lived gay lifestyle, the drug addict, mm -hmm. the crack addict. And mm -hmm. I thought, I, maybe religion's just made up mm. and I've been deceived mm. my entire life to believe that there is life after death. Mm. And um, I began to have a crisis of faith for the mm -hmm. first time as I sat alone in my home. I never felt more alone. Mm. And so what happened? <laughs> so I kind of went to a trajectory of... I'm going to work hard mm -hmm. and try to get myself out of this, um, mm -hmm. you know, this uh, shocking situation financially. And after work, I'm going to go have fun. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I found some girlfriends and they love to go out and dance. And I would drive home from the clubs. I stayed pure. Mm -hmm. But you're in this like, mm -hmm. you know, I never did those things since I was you know, 19 years old. And now you're 30 mm -hmm. and you're in clubs and mm -hmm. I just, it just felt so uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but you're trying to find joy and I would drive home and I'd cry. Mm -hmm. And, um, after about two years of this, 98 came. Mm -hmm. So I prayed the prayer in 96, 98, um, still not walking with the Lord in intimacy mm -hmm. and, um, getting more and more, uh, bitter in that sense mm -hmm. of, dis um, disappointed in mm -hmm. life. A friend came over and he said um, to sell insurance mm -hmm. to me. And he said, oh, my gosh, you're a born-again believer. You're a new creation in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm not that new. Mm -hmm. um, I said, you were unfaithful. You had all these things. And God gave you a new life. But I wasn't mm -hmm. that bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, my goodness, you must tell everyone about Jesus. And I said, no, mm -hmm. I really do. I've never read the Bible. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that that's very personal. 
and mm. he left the house mm-hmm. and um i i was really challenged mm-hmm. by his attitude toward me speaking to me as if i was a christian mm-hmm. because at that point i was so mm-hmm. far from god and i said god if you exist if you're real i'll give you 6 months that i'm going to find out who wrote the bible and is it true? What's mm-hmm. what do Muslims and Hindus believe? They're all praying so many mm-hmm. times a day, and mm-hmm. I think Christians. I don't even know if mm-hmm. we have that. And I said, I'll give you six months. Adam and Eve. How can people be from them? Mm-hmm. Evolution, creationism, mm-hmm. which is true. Mm-hmm. And I would say the next week I started Foundations of Faith classes, and they taught mm-hmm. how do you can know if you're to be saved. What's the Bible about? Mm. What's you know? Every question was just brought to light um, scientifically, mm-hmm. not quote unquote by faith, but through science and mm-hmm. through um, archaeology and mm-hmm. uh, f- tangible. Mm-hmm. And my mind was being blown that this is real. Mm-hmm. And if people don't have Jesus, they're not going to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And why hasn't anybody explained this simple gospel that Jesus is the Son of God and He came from heaven to earth? He mm-hmm. lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose from the dead. And if you believe in him as Lord and Savior, then you go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And you're with. he's with you every day of your life. Mm-hmm. That if you get cancer, if you're betrayed, if you're in financial ruin, those mm-hmm. things may happen mm-hmm. in our life. But it's okay. The Lord's with us. And this life is but a vapor. Mm-hmm. And before that, when I wanted a blessed life mm-hmm. and a relationship with God, I was looking for God to come in and make me happy. Mm-hmm. And bless to, your plans. To bless my plans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think all of this is so important for the ministry that God has you in now and that God led you to later. And sometimes we don't realize that the makings, you know, uh, part of the process. I mean, God calls Israel and says, I'm going to make you a nation, you know, out of Egypt. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to deliver them. And the first thing that they go through is the Egyptians bearing down on them yeah. and then being stuck in front of the Red Sea with no way out until God parts it. And then even then, their time in the wilderness was a hard time, you know, no food so that they would learn that dependency on God's food and on God and no water. So they would learn to look to the rock. For the water. And yes. we don't realize that God allows us to feel what other people feel, to have the questions that other people have. You know, so many times I think as Christians, we condemn ourselves when we get those questions instead of saying, wait, you know, maybe there's something in this and searching it out. And I just see like, you know, because I know you, I know your testimony, how God was preparing you. This is this yeah. is his college. I know you just got your master's degree, but yes. I'm like, that was your college, you know, yeah. your Christian college. That's amazing. Okay, so Lisa, you start, you take this foundations class. How did you get involved in missions or get interested in going on the mission field? As I began, I got saved to be, I gave Jesus my heart as Lord and Savior maybe a week into those foundations classes back in that same living room. Mm-hmm. I remember putting my arms wide like a being a cross crucifixion. I said, now let me get this right. You died on the cross. If I just simply believe in you, transfer my sins upon you, Jesus, I go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I said, this should be screamed from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. I said, how is this? It's a win-win. Yes. Like why everybody would be saved. There mm-hmm. wouldn't be a non-believer or a mm-hmm. Hindu, Muslim, New Age, if mm-hmm. they understood the simple gift of God, mm-hmm. which is eternal life. Mm-hmm. And it began stirring in my heart 
um, for those within the church, mm-hmm. like myself, that didn't mm-hmm. know the Lord, mm-hmm. those that are in the 1040 window of areas of the world that have never had the ability to learn. Mm-hmm. So he started really burdening me for the lost. Mm-hmm. And my missions pastor, let's see, this was in December. In July, he said, you need to go to London mm-hmm. and go on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. And he said, "Um, don't worry, I'm going to, um, you know, help you. I'm going to send a little, um, he goes, I'll type a support letter for you, put your testimony. I said, no, 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 no. I would never ask people for support. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, well, this is pride. Mm-hmm. Because the body of Christ needs to be praying for you and being involved in this mission. Invested. Invested. Mm-hmm. Because grandmas and businessmen and college students might not be able to go evangelize in London. Mm-hmm. But you're their hands and feet. And I was like, oh, man. So I sent the letter and I went on my first mission trip. Mm-hmm. He said, um, I told one thing to the Lord. I will not go door door evangelism. Mm-hmm. I think that's really awkward mm-hmm. for people answering the door. And I went to the first meeting, and they said, we're going to do door-to-door evangelism. Oh, my goodness. So, now, who did you go over there with? It was with Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And we connected to that um, Operation Mobilization. Mm-hmm. They had planned it for about eight years, mm. and they went into all these neighborhoods throughout the um, outskirts mm-hmm. of London. Mm-hmm. There was teams from China. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. from from Japan, mm-hmm. from um, all these countries that were mm-hmm. that we would have these little gatherings and meet. And when the church told us that they had been planning us and praying for us for eight years, wow! As a new believer, I thought, wow, mm-hmm. God's hand has been on me mm-hmm. to bring me here. So, how long were you in London for? We were there ten days, mm-hmm. and every day I would wake up with the same prayer: mm-hmm. "Today's your day, Lord. Do what you want to do." Mm. And he did miracle after miracle, saving people. A a man with a crippled hand, our team prayed for him, and the Lord healed his hand in front of the team's eyes. Whoa. You you know what I mean? Like things I didn't know were possible possible in the Lord. And after that trip, the missions pastor, he uh, was Rich Busterham. He Mm -hmm. was a missionary at the time there. I remember. He said, Lisa, you need to do this with your life. And I thought, wow. I, I never had the concept. I right. said, is that possible? And he mm-hmm. said, I'm going to tell the missions pastor wow. that you're called. God has a great plan for your life to do missions. Mm-hmm. So did you have any inkling then where you would go or how you would even, you know, get started or what, what did the next trip I went on whenever there was, op- I was working full time at the mm-hmm. agency advertising and, um, doing graphic design and branding, creating mm-hmm. things for Coca-Cola and all mm-hmm. these companies. But then whenever I would have a holiday, like 10 days, I would go on mission. Wow. So I went to Honduras mm-hmm. on a trip not too long after that, and I prayed, God, show me your will for my life. Mm-hmm. And I was in the kids' ministry area. I didn't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And a little 8-year-old, she translated for me. Oh, how wondrous. Yeah. How so cute. She had a worksheet, mm-hmm. and I said, what's question number one? And she said, it is 
what is God's will for your life Mm -hmm. was the question. And I said, that's what I need to know. (laughs) And she said, oh, that's easy. It's Matthew 28, 19. And I don't know my Bible very much at this. eight years old. I said, what is the verse? And I turned to my Bible and it says, go to all nations and make disciples. Wow. And it pierced my heart. I said, that's my calling. Mm -hmm. I had a ministry that I was being equipped in called Simply Jesus. Mm -hmm. I have a website called simplyjesus.global. And it's simple and profound ways to share all the truths of the Bible Mm. because that's what I wanted to know when I first got saved. Wow. So you have that right now. Yes. Okay. Say it one more time. Mm Simplyjesus.global. Oh, that's awesome. Simplyjesus.global. That's great. Okay. So this little girl is confirming to you again, and this is only your second. I think it's the third. I went to Ukraine. Okay. And London. Oh, maybe fourth. Um, Rome. Mm-hmm. I went to Rome. I was Catholic. Right. So it was the year of the Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And all of the people go there to do the stations of the cross to get right. um, saved. And you're able to tell them, like, Jesus is the way. Mm-hmm. And like, that was fun. So this is the fourth trip. So the fourth trip. So you really were yeah. every every chance I had <laughs> doing this. So, okay. So now what is God's will? You know, it's the mission field. Um, what, you know, how did you end up? Long term or in Hungary? How, how did that happen? I went to South Africa mm-hmm. and um, I was on a mission and I came home. And every time I went on a mission trip and I would suggest this to anyone, mm-hmm. I met with the missions pastor and did a little, you know, 30 minute debrief. And he said, um, what do you think? And I said, I had a vision from the Lord, a wave of water going up Africa. And it was like the water of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Lord wants to reach the nation and um, get the gospel. To, to the world. And he said, Lisa, we want to send you to Hungary. Wow. And I said, really? And I said, all right. And then I said, where's Hungary? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Such a tiny country. Such a small country in Eastern Europe. And mm-hmm. um, I got the map out and I thought, okay. And I committed it to prayer. Mm-hmm. I went on, a, I took a week. I had several opportunities, Hungary, South Africa, mm-hmm. Honduras, and Montana as opportunities to begin doing mission. I'd been invited to those four different locations to do long-term missions. And so I set them all four before the Lord, and I went to a lake in Montana, helping some friends move there, and I just opened my Bible and asked God to tell me, where should I go for my mission? I'm going to sell my house. Mm. I'm going to you know, set down my career and follow you. And he was silent And then a small, still voice said, you know what you're supposed to do. Wow. And I thought, okay, I don't know because I, you know, I'm very confused. All Mm -hmm. options seem good. Mm -hmm. On the flight home, I was very overwhelmed because I hadn't heard from God in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Shared with the gentleman sitting in my chair (laughs) next to me. He said, what are you doing on this trip? I said, trying to find God's will for my life. I got Matthew 28, 19. (laughs) Go to all the nations. There's these four places and God is being silent. And he said, well, that's obvious. He was an IT guy that wasn't walking with, he didn't know the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, at all. He just was Mm -hmm. a smart IT guy. And I was silent for a second and I turned and I said, what is obvious? Like you, Lord Mm -hmm. telling me, you're saying, he said, well, Montana is one place, Honduras, South Africa, but Hungary is surrounded by seven countries, all less than three hours in each direction. And 15 countries of students come to your Bible college there. So you've been called to make disciples of all nations. And this is a guy who's not even a Christian. Totally. That is 
Yeah. Crazy. And he said yeah. it, and I was like, whoa, the Lord saying, you know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I was like, wow, it's so obvious. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would be there a year. Mm-hmm. I went. I thought the Lord would redirect me once I got there and show me where to go with my ministry, the Simply Jesus Not Global. And I've been there 18 years. Mm-hmm. And have loved it. It's been a time of equipping and learning and seeing church planting, that making disciples that I've watched pastors and teachers do in my midst. It's been a joy. Um, we're almost done with our first um, segment. We want to go into a second segment because you've had so many adventures. And like I said earlier, this has been your launching place, um, Hungary, and you've gone into these other countries. Now, this is something that I wanted to ask just real quick is I know that before you went with teams and it's one thing to go with teams because that's a big support system. But now you're going to go by yourself. Now, was every trip with a team? Every trip was with a team except for South Africa. Okay. That was when... um, do you remember in the Calvary Chapel, South Africa, the first church, yes, Kurt Cottrell Kurt, was yes. there. Uh-huh. And I was um, I met him in May. He invited me to come out. And then in July, he died in a surfing accident. Right. His wife met me in July in Fort Lauderdale, their home church. And she said, please come. Okay. I need a support system. So that was my only time okay, but, of going alone. But you were going to... Another person's ministry. Yes. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I'm in studio with Lisa Collins, a woman definitely worth knowing. Um, We're going to end right here and we're going to come back um, next week with part two of this. But again, um, Jasmine and I have this strong conviction that all of you out there are women worth knowing, or you have somebody in your life that you say, this is a woman worth knowing, or you read about a woman worth knowing. And that testimony is ministered to you, spoken to you, inspired you. We want to know who that is. So if you would write us at wwk at cccm.com and tell us who this woman is and how she's inspired you. Uh, some of you have written in and just given us a name and we're busy researching these and finding these thing, uh, these people and we're being edified even as we're looking into some of these people. So please, please, please um, write us. So that's it for this edition of Women Worth Knowing. We'll be talking to you and you'll be hearing from Lisa Collins next week on another edition of Women Worth Knowing. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.